gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the Spread Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on this Thanksgiving week as we get all set for the Turkey Shoot College Games and the NFL Games on tap. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports into the show. Victor, I'm sure everybody in your household is ready for Thanksgiving week as well. This is certainly a very hectic week, whether you're a sports fan or not. Uh, thank you very much. A nice uh, weekend for us, 5-2 and two with our over-under selections. The highlight was our lucky winner, I might add, in the Buccaneers-Falcons game in which we were on the over and it took a last-second TD pass from second-string quarterback Matt Schaub for us to get that over. But uh, again, we thank Lady Luck for that play. Uh, a nice run in the NFL for us in the last two weeks, 8-1 and one overall in our over-under selections. And we are raring for this week. Uh, as you know, we normally record the podcast on Wednesday morning, and because of this hectic schedule with uh, additional games on Thursday, a ton of games on Friday, we're recording it on Tuesday night, but we are plugged in and ready to go. Yes, we are ready to go, Victor, and with that, let's take a look at what we learned in college football last week, or let me preface that by saying what I learned Tuesday night when the college football rankings, the playoff rankings came out. And I should say this, Victor, that little to no surprise, there weren't a whole lot of surprises other than one thing, that being the Ohio State Buckeyes, the new number one ranked team in the college football playoff poll, where LSU slipped to number two. Victor, your take on the number one and number two positioning, and also Alabama still number five, Utah number six. How do you see the current college football playoff poll? Right, it was a leapfrog for the Buckeyes, uh, considering their opponent. Penn State, uh, pretty justified, if you ask me. LSU had a little easier time with their win over Arkansas. I'll say this. I'm glad they didn't move Alabama up or Auburn up in the rankings. Now, that might be surprising on the surface, considering both teams won by a combined score of 118-3 to last week. But again, like we railed about a couple of weeks ago, consider the opponents. It was Alabama beating Western Carolina in an online game, 66 to three and Auburn beating Samford in an online game, 52 to zero. Thank you for not to bumping those guys up because they certainly didn't deserve it based on their opponents. No, they certainly didn't Victor. So uh, we'll see how this all holds out, whether Georgia retains that number four slot and Alabama remains on the outside looking in at the, uh, at the playoffs here. We might just get to a rant about that a little bit later on in this segment here, unless something else comes up. But meanwhile, uh, what else I learned, Victor, in the world of college football is that as we close the season here, I have nominated my college football fraud team of the year. This is the fraud play or the team that I think is the most overrated team in college football this year. They reside inside the top 25 college football playoff rankings. You might know who it is because I talked about them earlier but they continue to defy what I do when I log my stats, and that's win football games and get blown out in the stats week after week after week. 
I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats, who last week won again and were outyarded by 100 yards once again. That's two weeks in a row, and they've been outgained six of the last seven games they've played, yet they only have one loss in the season. And God forbid they're even thinking about being in contention to play on the New Year's Day Bowl six card should they beat Memphis twice, win their conference. They could likely do just that. But my my nomination, I should say, for right now, college football fraud team of the year, hands down for me, the Cincinnati Bearcats. That's my take, Victor. One more thing before I flip it back to you. I want to nominate my most improved teams in college football that I've seen thus far this year. And these aren't the very popular teams you know, that we've seen. You know, the guys that are flying high, the Baylor Bears. You know, we had Baylor pegged in the Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine to make a lot of noise this season here. And so while they've done just that improved, it wasn't surprising to me. But the two teams that were a bit surprising to me, I would nominate, would be San Jose State out of the Mountain West Conference and Oregon State out of the Pac-12 conference. Neither team will go bowling this year, but my goodness, what they have been doing in the past and what they did this year, substantial improvement from both football teams. Uh, Your take, Victor, of anything that you've seen in that regard, of anything that is your most improved or most disappointing in the world of college football this year? I would definitely agree with your most disappointing team, and Cincinnati could be in for a rude awakening with this upcoming game with Memphis coming up. Another team I might add in terms of uh, most improved would be in the ACC conference, the Virginia Tech Hokies. They're back in the top 25 with their 8-3 and three record. Uh, dynamic team, ATS, five straight point spread covers in a row. Not only that, but two big shutout wins in a row, 28-0 versus Pitt and 45-0 against Georgia Tech. So things are definitely on the upswing there, and I would include them as well. I would too, Victor. That was nice to see what they've done for Bud Foster as he retires. They really dedicated their last two games to Bud Foster, home and road, and they both were shutout victories. It just doesn't get any better than that. It was really nice to see. I'll be curious to see if they can keep that up when they go to Virginia this week. They open up as a dog, and now they've gone to the favorite. That's how hot this Virginia Tech football team is. So we'll see exactly how that all shakes out. And one other quick note I have, Victor, here before we get over to the NFL side of things. I was looking at what I might consider the best coaching hire in college football this year. And uh, I'm talking about a coach that came along and improved a football team from the depths of where they were to where they are today. And I'm talking about hired just this year. You know, Vern Rule, I mean, Matt Rule's been there for a while with the Baylor Bears. But the coach I'm going to nominate is Scott Satterfield at Louisville. Uh, He took over a program that was really decimated, run down. The cupboard was absolutely bare when he came in there. He came over from Appalachian State, where he'd done a terrific job with that football program. He goes from two wins last year to being a bowl team this football season here. We'll probably get a little bit more into this, Victor, next week once the college football season is done. But it was in the top of my mind when I was writing up the games for the Playbook newsletter this week. We have Louisville Pigs as one of our top plays in the newsletter here. And the reason being Scott Satterfield and the job that he has done with Louisville. Any other thought you might have, Victor, before we cross over into the NFL side of things? No, I would just throw out that Louisville has been also one of my favorite over teams on the season. Uh, scoring and allowing over 30 points per game. So uh, in addition to the job they've done there, a very profitable uh, team in regards to us over betters. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, along with Victor King from King Creole Sports. And we're going over what we learned on the college and the pro football cards last week. And I guess what I learned in the National Football League side of things is that uh, Lamar Jackson is an absolute freak, Victor, when it comes to the National Football League. The show that he put on Monday night might be one of the most memorable that I've ever witnessed. Uh, you know, he's right now vaulted himself to the lead of MVP in the National Football League. Russell Wilson's done a great steady job all season long. But if Russell, I mean, Lamar Jackson continues to have football games like that, and he did it at the most opportune time, uh, prime football, Monday night football, uh, sc- passed five touchdowns, ran for 95 yards, and he was in the field for six possessions they scored six touchdowns in the six possessions that he was out there. I've never seen a quarterback do just that. So i got to tip my hat to Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, Victor, is right down here from our neighborhood in South Florida. That's right. It certainly is. Yeah, great job by him. And uh, one other thing that I noticed last week, Victor, before I hand it off to you about the uh, the favorites and the dogs in the National Football League and how they shook out last week is uh, it appeared to look like the Cleveland Browns may be back on the winning track after watching their effort last week. But I'm going to say this about that effort last week. It was long overdue, and I think a little bit of that might well have been the rallying around the missing star player, uh, if you will. We see a lot of that when quarterbacks go down and you know, the next game thereafter they rally around, and Miles Garrett was out. Uh, Lake Okeechobee was out on the defensive line for the Browns as well, but uh, it didn't matter. They really, really rallied around. Now they've got perhaps their biggest game of the football season on deck going to Pittsburgh this weekend in a two-week turnaround right back at Pittsburgh where you know the Steelers will have this game circle in blood after that helmet gate affair. So it remains to be seen whether or not they will come back to earth when they go to Pittsburgh or whether that was a sign of things to come for the Cleveland Browns. But that was my take on what I saw last week in the National Football League how about you, Victor? What do you see on the NFL side of things? Well, you know, last week uh, I mentioned the fact that I thought that the Oakland Raiders were a little bit overrated based on their points for points against ratio. And it kind of proved out as they traveled across the country and got smacked down pretty good by the New York Jets, uh, a team I'd like to enter into that arena this week that is not as good as their record. And it showed on Sunday night is the Green Bay Packers Despite their very good overall record of 8-3, and three, they've only scored 16 more points than they've allowed this season. That's a lot more indicative of a team that might be 500, maybe 6-5 and five tops. So maybe not quite as good as their record. Also, what I learned, that is, uh, Mark, is the fact that this AFC South division is absolutely wide open. Yeah, Houston's your leader at 7-4, and four, but Indianapolis and Tennessee are breathing right down the Texans' necks. And not only that, but those teams that are ranked number two and number three, again, have better overall point total differentials than the Houston Texans, who have scored only 16 more points than they have allowed this season. Yeah, that's a good point, Victor. Uh, It's going to be a wide-open race in that AFC South. Ryan Tannehill has been a big boost for Tennessee. Big, Mm -hmm. big game when they take on the Colts this weekend. That could go a long, long way towards determining what happens out of the AFC South end. I couldn't agree anymore with the Green Bay Packers. i got to make them my NFL fraud of the year up to date here as well. you got a, a football team uh, thus far this season here that has won eight games, but they've been 
out yarded seven times this football season here. And in fact, you tear them down in our midweek alert in the second half of the season, the Packers are being out yarded 76 yards a game. That was a frightful performance that they had uh, when they were really railed by San Francisco wired in a wire to wire win. I'll be curious to see what Brett or what uh, Aaron Rodgers does this particular week, because you know, he's seething over that performance, but I don't know if the Green Bay Packers can do anything about that. It remains to be seen whether or not they're going to regress into what their stats say they are or perform like Aaron Rodgers has told us before in the past. One quick note here, Victor, before I hand it back to you for one final thought here. If the playoffs began this week in the playoff pictures, these would be the six teams on each side that would be in the playoffs. The number one seeds would be New England and San Francisco. Number two seeds, Baltimore and New Orleans. Number three seeds, Houston Texans and the Green Bay Packers, that fraud. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys. Number five, the Buffalo Bills and the Seattle Seahawks. And number six, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings with Oakland and the Rams on the outside looking in. So keep those in mind as we head into this weekend here because there's a lot of positioning that's going on these days in the National Football League. Victor, before we get to our rant of the week, anything else you want to hit on in the National Football League that we're talking about in this opening segment? Yeah, Mark, let me uh, break down the uh, dog results and also the over-under results. It was the lowest, excuse me, second lowest scoring week of the season last week. Five overs, nine games went under the total. We're on a four-week period now in which NFL scoring has gone down in each of the last four weeks from 47.5 to 46.1 to 43.4 to last week's 40.3. So we're in that time of the season where Mother Nature can play a big part when it comes to over-unders. It showed last week she definitely played a role in that under in New England, in that under in New York. And then uh, let me break down the NFL dogs. They're currently now at 91-77-6 and six against the spread on the year. Slightly profitable, not bad. Much better on the road, 65-45, and 45, than at home, 24-29 and 29 against the spread overall. The best situation that I can dig up right now out of the database is so far this season still holding strong at 27-11 and 11 ATS for all road dogs taking on any opponent off a loss in their last game. That applies to three of those dogs this week. Buffalo on the road against Dallas on Turkey Day. Tennessee on the road against Indianapolis on Sunday. And you might have to hold your nose with this one. Washington Redskins on the road catching double Ds against the Carolina Panthers. One more thing I'll throw it to you, Mark, is that uh, this is an amazing week in regards to road chalk. In nine out of the 16 games this week, the road team is favored. So we'll see what happens with the home dogs with nine road teams favored this week. That's really unusual, Victor. In abundance, more home dogs in the National Football League than there are more yeah, because of the road favorites. Uh, then there are home favorites in the National Football League. We'll keep a close mm-hmm. eye on that. And, Victor, I've got a little bit of rant that I want to get off on here. Now, if there's anything else, you can add to that. But, Jeff, if you would, about our rant of the week. And now, this week's rant from Mark and Victor. 
All right, guys, let's get to our rant of the week. And usually rants come about when something happens that affects someone personally or in the pocketbook, if you will. And I saw it again this week in the National Football League. I'm still mystified. I can't believe that week after week after week that we have to live through a situation like this. But watching the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots last week and watching the clapper Jason Garrett stand on the sidelines and cheer his football team on and act as if he's not even a head coach or part of the game plan. And the move that he made in the late stages of the game with just over two minutes remaining and his football team down by seven points. And he's got the ball fourth down at the 11-yard line and he opts to kick a field goal. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Opts to kick a field goal? Uh, it wasn't two minutes ago. I think it was four minutes ago. He opts to kick a field goal. My goodness. I mean, that's the reason the Dallas Cowboys start the season out 3-0, and and yet they are almost a losing team this year. Jerry Jones can make all of the reasons and the excuses he wants about not making a decision to fire this man. He'll, he'll review it at the end of the season. At the end of the season, Jason Garrett will come to Jerry Jones, and he'll show those pictures that he's got up Jerry Jones that no one wants to see. And he'll hire him again, he'll extend his contract, and we'll be watching the clapper on the sidelines once again for the Dallas Cowboys. It was a big loss for us personally, both in the pocketbook and some contests that we're in, and it was really, really difficult to swallow. But that's my rant, Victor, on the the situation with the Dallas Cowboys and Jason Garrett, still surprisingly, head-scratchingly, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if you want to follow that up with anything, but that's my take on my rant this week. I definitely feel your pain. Uh, my rant is a little bit more <laughs> minor, but I want to point my fingers at the schedule makers, schedule makers in the NFL and schedule makers in college football. I hate turning on a game at four 30 on a Sunday and there's only two games on the schedule. Are you kidding me? It kind of defeats the purpose of the great NFL red zone channel when you only have two games on. So uh, what's the deal here? NFL, you had eight games scheduled for the early kickoffs and only two in the late afternoon. Uh, don't, I don't like the imbalance there. Don't like it one bit. In the future, you've got to schedule at least three late afternoon kickoff games. you got to do it. Uh, now, I enjoyed those two games. I was on the Dallas-New uh, England under and on the Indianapolis, excuse me, the Tennessee-Jacksonville over. I enjoyed them. But you got to have more than two games on in the late afternoon kickoffs, that's for sure. And one more thing, uh, you college football schedule makers, this Friday is the Black Friday holiday, right? So what's the normal procedure for the family? You get up, maybe you take the wife out to breakfast, then maybe the whole family heads out for a half a day of holiday shopping, hitting the malls, right? And then you get back home, maybe have a nice dinner, and then you sit down in front of your TV and wait for some great Friday night Black Friday college football games. Guess what? Guess how many uh, nighttime college football (laughs) games are on this Friday? One. Appalachian State against Troy. They got 15 games going on during the day, but the only night game is Appalachian State versus Troy. Shame on you. You could have had the Washington State-Washington game. Schedule that for the nighttime. You could have scheduled Cincinnati-Memphis for the nighttime. Uh, There's a ton of games. Virginia Tech-Virginia would have been a great nighttime game. But just one game on a Friday night? Come on, man. Yeah, Victor, I'm feeling your pain as well. Uh, you could, they could dominate uh, the, the ratings, if you will, 
yeah, just by putting a little forethought into what it is they're doing. And, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of that last week when we had all those big football games uh, or two weeks ago, and none of them were primetime football. They were 12 noon or 3.30 Eastern. It's like, come on, what's going on here? I don't understand what it is, but, you know, I guess – that's what they do for a living. I don't think they're doing a very good job of doing just that. But uh, like you say, Black Friday, one Friday night football game. I guess they think that all the husbands are out Black Friday shopping as well. And that's a big mistake if they think just that. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't you go away. When Dick and I come back, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. We're going to the Civil War in the Pac-12 when we're back with that and more here. Mark Lawrence against the spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread in this Thanksgiving week of football, college and NFL football game. It's time for our college football game of the week. And as I mentioned, we're going to hop out west to join the Civil War this week when Oregon plays host to Oregon State. Victor, how do you see this big rivalry matchup shaping up between the Ducks and the Beavers? The over-under line opened 68. It's come down a couple of points, 65.5. The last time I looked, and the very first thing I always do when there's a game being played in college football out in the Pacific Northwest is to check the weather report. And I'd call it kind of neutral. Now, actually, you're going to want to check this a day or two ahead of time, but uh, four days ahead of time, we've got about a 25% of rain showers there in Eugene, Oregon, Light winds, five mile an hour, temperatures about 40 degrees. I would call that pretty neutral, as are the over-under results for both of these teams this year. Oregon, five and six over-under, 37.9 points per game on offense, a very good defense, allowing only 16.3 points per game. On the other hand, the Beavers come in six and five over-under. They're one of those 30-30 teams. They give as good as they get when it comes to offense. Averaging 33.1, allowing 33.3. Their home games this year have averaged only 58.8, but when Oregon State takes to the road, their road games have averaged 75.4. They have gone 3-1 and one to the over in their last four games. Oregon's gone 4-1 and one to the over in their last five games. I think you can see which way we're probably leaning in this game. The series has been pretty neutral, too. 2-2-1 two, two and one over under last five. However, the two games played at Oregon State, 0-2. The two games played at Oregon have gone 2-0 and o to the over with 94 and 79 combined points in those two particular games. I just said that Oregon does have this killer defense, but their numbers are alarming as of late. There was a five-game stretch very early in the season in which Oregon 
held their opponents to 6-3, 6-7, and 3 points. Amazing defense. Through their first six games, they were allowing only 8.7 points per game. However, in their last five games, the Ducks have allowed 31, 35, 24, 6, and 31. That's an average of 25.4, so they're starting to fizzle a little bit on defense, and that could very well point a uh, point to a, a shootout. Uh, speaking of shootouts, Oregon State's last two games, 54 to 53 last week versus Washington State, 1,242 combined offensive yards in that game. Wow. And in their previous game against ASU, 803 combined yards. Quarterback Jaden Daniels having a fantastic year. In his last four games, he's got a 12-to-1 TD-to-interception ratio. So, yeah, we're leaning over in this game. You know, with Oregon playing off that loss last week, it's basically pedal to the metal time if they want to get back up there with the big boys. If that means running up the score, so be it. So, yeah, we're leaning over with Oregon, Oregon State. Victor's going to lean over in the Civil War between Oregon and Oregon State this football weekend. And as we talked about at the beginning of the show, some seasons get ruined just at the most inopportune times. We saw it happen to Oregon last week when they went to the desert and laid double digits against the Sun Devils and came back with a loss, taking themselves out of the college football playoff talk. The good news for Oregon is they're still alive in the Pac-12 North Division. Uh, to play in that particular division for the Pac-12 championship. That could be a little bit of solace, if you will, for Mario Cristobal's football team, who right now is beginning, if you will, their offense is beginning to wind down. Their defense, as Victor talked about, has been solid all season long. But what did they do last week? They allow 535 yards a season high to Arizona State in that football game. That was what you would call the epitome of a choke job, if there ever was a choke job. Maybe the press or the headlines, the clippings got to them because everybody was talking about the Utah-Oregon showdown for the Pac-12 championship, which we're still going to see. But the bottom line here, that would have vaulted one of those two teams into the college football playoff. Mario Cristobal, I'm not real high on him as a head coach. I've talked before about this in the past. I think he's a much better defensive coordinator than he is a head coach. He kind of like gets the football players rallied around him, but I don't think he X's and O's like he should X and O. And in fact, if he's got one fault, it is the fact that when he's lost games straight up as a favorite, as he did last week, he fails to really bounce back the next game. He's been in those games eight times and he's only won the money three times in those football games. On the other side, as we opened the show, we talked about what I thought were uh, the most improved football teams in college football this year, Oregon State being one of those teams. Uh, they've done, I think, a terrific job this football season here. Their second-year head coach, Jonathan Smith, has done a great job with the program. He inherited a one-win team, and he's got this football program right now. If he wins this game, he'll go bowling. Okay, That's a big incentive for a football coach to go into a rivalry football game with. So not only does he have the incentive and the revenge in the football contest in a rivalry matchup, he's got an opponent who is should be as flat as a pancake coming into the game because this game right now doesn't mean anything to Oregon other than the fact that it is a rivalry game. Their focus will be on Utah next week in that Pac-12 championship game. So what do they do for this football game? I can tell you this. They're not going to have a, a game plan that they're going to want to show Utah anything about in this football game here. I think Oregon State comes with everything they've got in this contest here, 
And I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes right down to who scores last or overtime. And with that, my side in this football game, I'll be taking the points with Oregon State against a flat-footed duck in this football game for my play in this big Pac-12 showdown game. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. And we've got a beauty on tap in the AFC North division when the Cleveland Browns travel to Pittsburgh. We'll tear that game down and hop out to Las Vegas when we're back with more here of Mark Lawrence against the spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, Mark Lawrence, along with Victor King, as we go against the spread in this holiday week. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week, and what a beauty we've got on tap. A bitter rivalry between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers in a rematch of a game that played just two weeks ago. Victor, your take on the Browns and the Steelers in the Steel City this Sunday. The over-under line opened at 40 and a half. It's come down a half a point. It's currently at uh, 40 as we record the podcast. Cleveland 5-6 and six over under on the season. Pittsburgh, one of the better under teams this year with, of course, some offensive issues and injuries, uh, but still a very, very good defense. 3-8 and eight over under. Here's something that's a little bit revealing. All five of their road games have gone under this season, but they're still a middle of the road 3-3 three and three over under at home. With the Cleveland Browns, we know they, of course, are off that uh, beautiful offensive showing last week. I know we have to consider the opponent. It was the Miami Dolphins. But nevertheless, it was their third game this season with more than 400 offensive yards. They had 406 versus Seattle. And you want to talk about signature wins. Way back in week four, Cleveland went into Baltimore, the mighty Ravens, and put up 530 offensive yards and won by 15 points on the road. That's still a little bit of a head-scratching win. But for anybody to do that against Baltimore – uh, yeah, that is pretty damn good. What I like about the Browns, and I mentioned in this week's totals tip sheet, is that in their last six division road games covering a three-year period, they've got a perfect 6-0 and to the over, their average margin, plus 10.2 points per game. That kind of coincides with Pittsburgh numbers. They've been a 70% over team in division home games over the last four seasons as well, the series is on the uptake in terms of high-scoring results. Three of the last four have gone over the total, including a perfect 3-0 and the last three games played in Pittsburgh and by an average margin of plus 9.3 points per game. Now, there are multiple games this season in which, uh, I'm sorry, this weekend in which Mother Nature might very well play a role. But this is not one of them. The weather should be just fine in Pittsburgh for the late afternoon kickoff. And I'm leaning over this game based on what I consider the wild card, and that's the fact that Pittsburgh has officially benched starter Mason Rudolph. They're going to be making the call to Devlin Duck Hodges. Of course, the duck caller will be making the start for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, This will be his second start of the season. 
you got to like the symmetry he had last week on just his third play after being put in in the third quarter. He hit James Washington for that beautiful 79-yard touchdown. And from there, he managed the game well enough to hold on for the win uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. And as I mentioned, of course, he did start earlier this season against the L.A. Chargers, a good defense as well. And the Steelers hung 24 points in that particular game. So based on the over-under line and the point spread, the predicted final score in the game right now is 21 for Cleveland, 19 for Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh goes over that 20. That's the key to the game. They've struggled in their last three offensively. I know that, but they made the switch to Hodges. And before then, there were seven straight games with 21 or more points in games two through eight. So I got this game pegged at 43 and a half, maybe 44 points. We're getting about three points of value. And yeah, Mark, we're going over when the Browns take on the Steelers in that late afternoon kickoff. Victor's going to look for a well-lit scoreboard in Pittsburgh when the Browns take on the Steelers in a rematch from just two weeks ago in what was known as Helmet Gate in that ugly fracas that happened at the Dog Pound. And I'm sure these two football teams are itching to get back at one another once again this weekend. As the Browns invade Pittsburgh this weekend, there are not a lot of good numbers in Cleveland's favor, at least as far as the history book is concerned. And when I say that, I mean flat-out ugly numbers. You got to go back to find out the last time Cleveland swept Pittsburgh in the same season was 1988. And you got to go back to 1989 to find the last time that Cleveland dressed up as a favorite in this series. They won that game 51 to nothing as a two point favorite when Bernie Kozar led the Cleveland Browns past Bubby Brister and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that was the last time Cleveland dressed up as a favorite. They've been an underdog 27 times in a row, and in fact, they've lost 15 straight games in a row in Pittsburgh coming into this contest. Not good numbers if you're a Cleveland Browns historian, if you will, coming into this football game. I got to say the Cleveland Browns play has picked up a lot since they went into their bye week. As they went into their bye week with all kinds of question marks, since they've come out of it, they played some pretty good football. They're in a three-game win streak. They've won the stats in their last four football games in a row. My big question of this game this week is how do they react the second game after the Miles Garrett situation occurred? We talked about that in the opening of the show. Will they continue to forge forward, or will there be a bounce in this football game? Because you know the Pittsburgh Steelers have got this football game circled in lipstick after that humiliating loss they suffered in Cleveland at the dog pound. Good numbers here for the Pittsburgh Steelers, aside from the history that I mentioned here. Mike Tomlin has been terrific in his career as an underdog in the month of December, where he's 7-4 and four straight up the 11 times he's been an underdog, going 8-2-1 and one against the spread including 6-0-1 to the spread the last seven times doing just that. The unique thing in this game here is what I alluded to earlier, the fact that this is a second-time meeting in three weeks in the National Football League. You don't get a lot of those. And we put this into our database and found out what that situation does to football teams. And it happens like this. You can, I took it back to the 2002 since the divisions realigned, but more importantly, since 2012, there's a real strong trend involved in that particular situation, and it works like this. You play in the team that lost the first time in their right-back rematch uh, just two weeks after that. Those teams are 10-3 and three straight up and against the spread since 2012, including 6-0 and 
straight up end of the number against opponents that were favored by three or more points in their previous game. You put it all together for me, you've got history, you've got a lot of reasoning, a lot of revenge in this football game here. I know the Browns are playing what looks to be their best football of the season here, but what goes up usually comes down, and it comes down in a situation like this. I'm going to play the points with Pittsburgh against my Cleveland Browns for my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show on this Thanksgiving week. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for our Vegas vibe as we check with our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, the first question I have to ask you is, how is the weather in Vegas these days? Well, Mark, it's a little bit of the cold spell that uh, you may be getting, or at least the, the northern part of the country may be getting a little bit worse than here. But it, it's unusually cool for this time of year, but that's a good enough excuse to stay inside and just watch a bunch of uh, college football and basketball over the next few days and get some nice Thanksgiving uh, surprises on uh, the NFL games as well, that nice uh, triple header coming up on Turkey Day. And as we always do, we join Andy Isco to get the contest update from all the major contests in Las Vegas. And Andy, if you would, a review about the contest standings as we head into Thanksgiving week. Okay, Mark, we're getting down uh, into the stretch run, the final, actually the final five weeks of the season coming up. And we're starting to get uh, some separation as far as some of these major contests go. We'll start with the, uh, like we normally do with the Super Contest Classic, that's the the uh, world-famous one, the $1,500 entry fee, had over 3,300 entrants this year. And uh, last week, the consensus had a very good week. They went 4-1 with the winning selections uh, on underdogs, Jets, Cowboys, and Seahawks. Uh, their favorite uh, that was in the consensus were the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. The lone loser, and this was the most popular selection in the contest, the Green Bay Packers uh, Sunday night. Over 1,300 contestants had the Packers. That's more than uh, a third of the contest. Uh, that went down to defeat. So the 4-1 record brings the results for the consensus in the contest year-to-date. Finally above 500, 30 up, 28 down, and two pushes. As far as the overall results, 76 correct picks, 94 uh, incorrect ones, and four uh, games ended up in pushes as far as the more popular side in each game is concerned. Uh, there were two games so far this year in which the uh, the, cons- the uh, contestants were evenly split. Looking at the stand at the standings, we have one leader who has a record of 42, 17, and one for a total of 40 and a half out of a possible 60 points. That equates to a 70.8 percent winning percentage. Uh, that contestant has a two-point lead over two contestants who are tied for second and another half point back, uh, uh, three more contestants. Overall, 49 contestants are within five points of the lead and 103 contestants are in cashing position. The contest pays the top 100 finishers plus ties. So in order to be in the top 103 right now and be in cashing position requires a rather modest record of just 60.8%. 36 and a half out of a possible 60 points. That's rather unusual that uh, with so much time remaining that it only is taking right now barely above 60% to be in the money. Let's compare, contrast that with the super contest uh, gold. That's the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all. The contestants last week in the consensus were three and two winners on the Jets, the Buccaneers, and the lone favorite that made to the top five of the consensus. Uh, as far as um, 
the the uh, winners go the uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, the losers amongst the consensus plays the Green Bay Packers, who are also the number one popular choice in the in the Super Contest gold as well as the regular contest. And Monday night, the Rams were tied for the second most popular choice. They went down. Uh, so the consensus three and two for the week, thirty one thirty and three for the season. The overall results considerably better than the Super Contest Classic. About 117, I believe, entered in this winner-take-all $5,000 entry fee Super Contest Gold. 88, 78, and 4 for the uh, top uh, uh, for the for the top popular plays on each uh, each side, the uh, uh, side getting the most uh, uh, support. Uh, a number of ties occur because we've got such a small uh, number of contestants in the field that a number of teams tie with the same number of selections. This week, for example, I mentioned Green Bay uh, led the way. 43 out of the 117 contestants uh, picked that one, and then there was a drop-off of about seven until the uh, to, to the Rams, uh, who tied for second most with the uh, Jets. As far as the standings, there are two contestants tied for the lead with records of 36, 22, and 2. That works out to 37 of a possible 60 points, or 61.7% uh, winners. Uh, those two co-leaders uh, have a half-point lead over one contestant. Uh, two, Three more contestants, excuse me, three more contestants are a point and a half back. Overall, 41 contestants are within five points of the lead, meaning that if those at the very bottom went uh, uh, 0 and went five and 0, and everybody else went 0 and five, that's what it would be for them to take the lead. So that's why I use within five points of the lead. Those 41 contestants uh, within five points of the lead right now, 53.3 percent, 32 out of a possible 60 points has you within five points of the lead. But keep in mind. This is a winner-take-all contest, so it's unlikely that anyone would be able to make up more than a point or two in the final week of the contest. Going over to the Circa contest uh, at uh, the properties now uh, being run by the Golden Gate and the D Las Vegas, the new Circa property expected to open just over a year from now. This is the new contest on the block. Patterns itself uh, uh, after the Super Contest uh, that's been held for many years, five NFL selection sides only. This one carries a $1,000 entry fee. The top 10 and ties are, are paid, but they also instituted a nice uh, contest, four additional contests, a quarterly prize for the best record, over 70, uh, over, excuse me, over $144,000 to each of the four quarter winners. 16 and four was good enough to take the third quarter uh, contest, weeks nine through 12. Two contestants split the 144 plus thousand. Uh, the, this was the lowest of the three quarters so far. We had a few weeks back where uh, the, uh, uh, the contestants overall did not do fairly well. So if you happen to have a very good record, uh, 16 and four was good enough to uh, do it. Uh, last week for the consensus, uh, the consensus went three and two. Interestingly uh, enough, the contestants for the top five selections, the consensus rather, all five were underdog selections. The winners were the Jets, the Cowboys and the Seahawks, the losers, the Packers, once again, the number one selected team in the uh, contest, about a third of the contestants in the circuit, taking the Packers over the 49ers and Monday night, the Rams, the second losing uh, consensus selection this week, thus three and two for the week, 28, 29 and three, the consensus for the season. Interestingly enough, although the underdogs have not been doing exceptionally well uh, when they've been the more popular selection 
in the Super Contest uh, Classic and the Super Contest Gold, uh, where the underdogs are, well, the Super Contest Gold uh, doing a little bit better because they've got only 117 selections. But with the 1,800 contestants in the Circa Contest, uh, when the more popular side in the game is the underdog, 45, 36, and 2 for the season. So that's showing a nice little profit if you were blindly to play the selected uh, the selections in a game where it's the underdog the more popular side of the uh, 1875 contestants for the standings one contestant has 43 and a half out of a possible 60 points uh, that's 72.5 percent unfortunately the way the circuit presents the standings they don't show the actual win-loss push record they just show what the total number of points are so 43 and a half out of 60 that's 72.5 percent uh, that's good enough for a two-point lead over the two contestants who are tied for second at 41 and a half points and looking overall for the top 10 and ties that will split it's a total of 16 contestants uh, in uh, uh, within the uh, four four and a half points of uh, the lead in the circa. Finally, the Golden Nugget contest. That's the contest that prov- that requires seven selections per week. Can be combined. You don't have to, but you are able to pick from both NFL and college football sides only. No totals. The one leader in the contest, fifty six twenty five and three. So fifty seven and a half. Out of a possible 84 points, that translates into 68.45%. So 68.5% good enough right now to lead the Golden Nugget Contest. And that leader has only a half-point lead over one contestant in second. Another contestant in third is one more point back. Another contestant in fourth, another point back. But overall, 23 contestants are within seven points of the lead. And in order to be within seven points of the lead right now, you need to have had 50 and a half out of the 84 points, which equates to a 60.1% winning percentage. So overall, Mark, what we are seeing in the contest this year with 12 weeks down and five weeks to go, uh, despite some fine records at the top for the for the uh, most part, uh, the uh, contestants that are in the cashing position right now are at a lower percentage that we normally see at this point of the season, which is roughly two-thirds of the way into the contest. So whether or not the results will pick up over the final part of the uh, contest, the final five weeks remains to be seen. But it is quite possible, though I still think unlikely, that in the super contest that pays the 100 places, you might be able to cash one of those lower prizes with maybe a record slightly below 60%, which would be very, very surprising. And it's time for the major line moves from Andy Isco, joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Well, I'm going to use these, again, as compared to the uh, advanced lines that came out, in this case, on Tuesday, November 19th, the games to be played Thursday, November 28th through Monday, uh, December 2nd. So these lines came out essentially a week to 10 days in advance of the playing. I'll, I'll let you know how some of these have actually changed. We're in a quite, quite a number this deep into the season. We don't see that much normally in the way of adjustments, but quite a number of adjustments this week, including the three Thursday games. Uh, a week ago when these advanced lines came out, the Detroit Lions were one and a half point home favorites over the Chicago Bears. Actually, before the game was taken off prior to both teams getting in action this past Sunday, 
the line had been bet down to Detroit a one-point favorite. Uh, however, the Lions lost as favorites on the road to lowly Washington. Meanwhile, the Bears struggled but defeated uh, the New York Giants at home. So when this game opened up, the line was reinstituted with the uh, reposted with the game of Pickham, and yet all the action has come in on the Chicago Bears. So that uh, with uh, still a day or so to go before kickoff, the Bears are now three-point road favorites at Detroit after being point-and-a-half underdogs uh, just uh, several days ago. Buffalo at Dallas. This one is interesting only because of the adjustment that was made. Uh, Dallas, of course, losing uh, at uh, New England. Buffalo, uh, impressive, certainly defensively at home in their win over Denver. When this line came out a week or so ago, the Dallas Cowboys were seven-point favorites. Yet, when the line was reposted Sunday afternoon after Dallas's loss and Buffalo's win, the Cowboys bumped up half a point to a seven-and-a-half point home favorite, but the action has actually come in and bet it down not just to seven, but below seven, so that Dallas now a six-and-a-half point home favorite. So it's interesting because normally seven such a key number, hard to move on or off, and yet it opened above and right now sits below seven. The Thursday night game on Thanksgiving evening, New Orleans at Atlanta. This is a rematch of a game just two weeks ago uh, when the Falcons stunned the Saints in New Orleans coming off of their bye. Uh, this was actually three weeks ago. The Falcons won two games off their bye and then lost last week to Tampa Bay. The advanced line had the Saints five-and-a-half-point road favorites. Again, Atlanta coming off the loss to Tampa Bay and New Orleans uh, coming off of their narrow win over Carolina. This game opened and remains now adjusted with New Orleans a seven-point road favorite Thursday night. Uh, San Francisco at Baltimore. This game uh, is very interesting because of the way the line moved after being taken off a couple of times. Last week when the line was posted in, in the advance wagering, the Ravens were four and a half point home favorites over the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, this past week, San Francisco played at home against Green Bay on Sunday night. Baltimore played at the Rams on Monday night. So before the, the 49ers and Packers kicked off, they took the line off. After the Packers blew out the, uh, excuse me, after the 49ers blew out the Packers 37 to eight on Monday morning, the line was reposted was reposted with a one point adjustment. Baltimore down to a three and a half point home favorite, and then Baltimore took the field Monday night at the Rams. The game was taken down, and of course Baltimore blew out the Rams 45 to six in a game that was not even that competitive, if you want to use the word competitive. So when the line was reposted on Tuesday morning. Not only did they go back to the four and a half that Baltimore was all last week, but they actually opened up a point higher with the Ravens five and a half point home favorites over the 10 and one uh, 49ers. That line has been bet up to or had been bet up to Baltimore six and a half points. That seemed to be the peak because uh, the action has caused the line to go down a half a point and Baltimore now settling in as a six point home favorite in a game that, uh, quite honestly, I don't understand was not, was not flexed into the Sunday night game a few weeks ago when it was clear that both Baltimore and San Francisco were going to have uh, lofty records. Uh, some other games of interest, uh, the Chargers at the Denver Broncos. The Chargers were on their bye last week. The Broncos uh, lost in Buffalo. Uh, the advance line had the Broncos one-and-a-half-point home favorites over the L.A. Chargers. After the Broncos lost at Buffalo and the Chargers, of course, idle, the game was reposted Sunday afternoon at a pick'em. And yet the early action has been very much one-sided such that the Chargers, despite not playing last week, and already the line adjusted a point and a half after Denver's loss, the Chargers have been bet up to two and a half point 
road favorites. One of the more interesting games this week is the rematch of that Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago in which Garrett uh, uh, Miles had that incident against Mason Rudolph, the Pittsburgh quarterback, causing him to be, uh, Garrett uh, Miles, that is, to be uh, suspended uh, for the balance of the season. The advanced line had Pittsburgh a three-point home favor over Cleveland. Keep in mind that this advanced line was posted after uh, Miles Garrett uh, was, uh, uh, was suspended for the year. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, after Sunday's actions where Cleveland had an impressive win over Miami and uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, had a hard-fought win at winless Cincinnati but still emerged with a six-point win, the line was reposted downwards. Pittsburgh still favored but by only one and a half. And yet similar to uh, several other moves we've seen, most notably the one I just described in the Bronco Charger game, all the early money came in on Cleveland such that the Browns were bet up to a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. It settled back down to where the Browns now are two-point road favorites at uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, the final one I'll mention, New England at Houston. Uh, that's the game that will be the Sunday night telecast Thanksgiving weekend. The Patriots were four and a half point road favorites uh, when this game was posted for the advance wagering. Of course, New England uh, barely got by uh, Dallas on uh, Sunday evening and Houston played Thursday night barely getting by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they were at home winning 20-17. to 17. Uh, When the line was reposted, uh, Houston drew some of the uh, uh, the, the uh, the positive reviews as instead of four and a half, the Patriots were posted as three and a half point road favorites. That line has been bet down to where the Patriots are now favored by a field goal over the Houston Texans. Okay, these uh, the advanced lines, Mark, are for the games of Thursday, December 5th. Gosh, it's hard to believe we're already going to be in December within a few days through Monday, December 9th. The Thursday night game has the Dallas Cowboys uh, at the Chicago Bears. And uh, uh, perhaps uh, uh, fairly enough, both teams will have had a full week of rest as both Dallas and Chicago will be in action on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, the Cowboys, three-point road favorites at Chicago with a little bit of added vig to the Cowboys. Minus 120 to lay the three with Dallas. Even money if you take the three with the home underdog Bears. Sunday, December 8th, Baltimore will be at Buffalo. The Ravens favored by seven on the road. Washington will be at Green Bay. The Packers, 14.5-point home favorites. Houston will host the Denver Broncos. Houston, 7.5-point home favorites. New Orleans will host San Francisco in a game that could very well impact, if not decide, ultimately the home field advantage and the top seed in the NFC playoffs. The Saints, a three-point home favorite. Cincinnati will be at Cleveland. We don't know what will happen against the Jets, but Cincinnati could be winless. And Cleveland coming off of that big game against Pittsburgh where the loser quite possibly and quite likely out of the wildcard chase. Nonetheless, Cleveland established as a 10.5 point home favorite over the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Carolina at Atlanta, the Falcons, one point home favorites. No line on Detroit at Minnesota. The uncertain status of Detroit's quarterback, Matthew Stafford, the reason for that line not being posted in advance. Miami will be at the New York Jets. Of course, Miami got their first win of the season, upsetting the Jets a few weeks ago at home. In the rematch, the Jets are at home, seven and a half point home favorites, and they could be on a nice four-game losing, excuse me, four-game winning streak. The Jets, if they get by Cincinnati this coming Sunday, Indianapolis at Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers one-point home favorites over the Colts. The Chargers at Jacksonville, Chargers favored by one over the Jags. Uh, the game that looked to be 
uh, perhaps to decide the AFC top seed earlier in the season, Kansas City at New England. Of course, Kansas City uh, playing without Patrick Mahomes for a few weeks, uh, losing a couple of those games. Uh, they are now the not the uh, number two seed anymore. It's uh, Baltimore with that number two seed. And that, of course, could change depending upon what happens Thanksgiving weekend. But the Patriots, nonetheless, four-point home favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs. Pittsburgh will be at Arizona. Pittsburgh and Arizona, a pick em. Same thing in the next game, Tennessee at Oakland, where the Titans and Raiders are pick em. Uh, The Sunday night game, Seattle at the Los Angeles Rams. Recall the first time these teams met in Seattle, a missed field goal by the Rams enabled Seattle to hang on for a one-point home victory. This time in the rematch, Seattle a three-point road favorite at the Rams with the VIG minus 120 to lay the three, even money with the Rams if you take the three. And finally, Monday night, an NFC East battle. Only one team really have anything to play for in this game. The Giants at Philadelphia meeting for the first time. They'll meet again later in the season. The Giants and Eagles, Philadelphia at home, favored by eight. And as we always do, Andy, our listeners would like to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play this week. Last week, I went with the Tennessee Titans and they covered uh, fairly easily with that dominating third quarter at home against Jacksonville. And this week, I'm going against the Tennessee Titans in yet another AFC uh, uh, South Divisional battle where the Tennessee Titans are on the road at Indianapolis to face the Colts. Both teams are 6-5. and five. Uh, They trail Houston in the division at 7-4. and four. Houston, of course, this week, a home underdog to the New England Patriots, so it's quite possible that the winner of this game between the Titans and Colts will be 7-5, and five, tied with Houston atop the AFC South, uh, barring an upset pulled off by Houston. I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts in this game. They played at Houston last Thursday night. They played well, but they came up short in a 20-17 to 17 loss in which they did cover the 3.5, 4-point uh, line. Uh, they are facing a Tennessee team that has been one of the more consistent yet uh, consistent yet unheralded teams in the NFL. Nine and seven the past few seasons. Uh, one year that was good enough to get into uh, the playoffs as a wild card. Nine and seven may again make it this year, and it's quite possible how the schedule plays out that both of these teams could end up nine and seven. I like what I've seen out of Indianapolis. Of course, they're coming off uh, the rest. Jacoby Brissett. Uh, has filled in very nicely, taking over for Andrew Luck after Luck retired during the preseason. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, the receiver, back with the Colts, and having the extra time to work with Brissett uh, should enable those two to hook up, and uh, Hilton would be more of a factor in this game than he was in the loss at Houston last Thursday night. There's nothing not to like about Tennessee. They tend to be a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, of course, Derrick Henry, the running back, uh, gives them a deep threat out of the backfield. The Colts have also been able uh, to run the ball this year despite some injuries. And, of course, replacing Marcus Mariota, the Titan quarterback at the start of the season, Ryan Tannehill has played extremely well. But I'm going to go with the Colts playing at home on the fast service. This game opened in some places with the Colts a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's actually been bet down to three in a number of places, and even below that, some places, uh, certainly here in Las Vegas at least, have the Colts as a two-and-a-half point home favorite. So I'm going to lay the two-and-a-half. I'd lay up to three with the Indianapolis Colts. And going against Tennessee this week, I'm going to look for the Colts to come out ahead, winning this game by more than a field goal and uh, perhaps being tied for the lead uh, in the AFC South heading into uh, Week 14. Thanks once again. Great job, Andy. As always, until next week, I'm going to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much pumpkin pie and enjoy the holiday. 
Mark, it's always a pleasure. I look forward to next week. Let me wish you, Victor, all the crew at Playbook, your your families, etc., and of course all the listeners a very happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving day and Thanksgiving weekend. And that was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to put the final wraps on this edition of the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week, along with our complimentary plays when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sportsbook online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie.a as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week all right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on this Thanksgiving week in college football. We call it Don't Play It Again, Sam. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football road team that's coming off consecutive shutout wins if they're facing an opponent coming off a point spread win. We do that by playing against these teams. We've been 14-3 and three against the spread since 1980. That's an 82% point spread play. This week, we'll be playing against Virginia Tech in their game against Virginia on Friday for our awesome angle play on the football show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend and your complimentary play, if you would. Sure can do. Let's not forget the newsletters, playbook newsletter, midweek alert newsletter, total tip sheet newsletter. We even do the uh, Playbook Wise Guy Contest newsletter as well. And uh, we're pleased with our season thus far. We've got the college football over-under plays at 13-6-1 for the year. With a nice two-week run in the NFL, we've got that up to 33-20 and 20 for the season in NFL over-unders as well. And uh, right around 8 o'clock a.m. this Thursday morning, it'll be five years exactly since I had a heart attack back in 2014, uh, that's when it happened with my beautiful wife, Sandy. We got through it just fine. Uh, looking good these days, feeling sharp, but because of that, I give thanks even more. I have more to give thanks about on this particular holiday. Uh, number one, of course, is my wife, Sandy. I couldn't do anything without her. Uh, number two, what I like giving thanks for or the big four F's on Thursday, and that would be family, friends, food, and football. So this, since this is the weekend of giving thanks, we're going to throw out two free plays this week. One is going to be a selection that we have going on Turkey Day, and the other one's going to be Tuco's team total of the week. But on uh, Thursday afternoon, we're going under the total in the Buffalo Bills-Dallas Cowboy game, and I, I'm a little surprised by the line move. 
It opened at 45. I anticipated it would go down, but it's actually gone up to 45 and a half to 46. Make that your target line, 46 or more points, and we're going under the total. I mean, this is two fantastic defenses in play here. We're basically statistically obligated to bet the under from a purely stat aspect. According to my database models, the over-under line should be somewhere in the area of 41.5 to 42 points. We already know we're getting some nice value. But you got a Buffalo Bills defense that's ranked number three overall, number three in scoring defense. They allow only 15.7 points per game. And number three in passing defense, allowing only 184 passing yards per game. You can run on Buffalo, but, man, you can't pass on them successfully. And, of course, Dallas comes in as the number six overall defense and number seven scoring defense. They're also a team that's allowing less than 20 points per game this season, 19.1. Now, I know Dallas has been involved in some shootouts this year versus Detroit, versus Minnesota, versus the Giants, versus the Packers. But versus top 12 defenses this season, Dallas has gone one and three over under, and the average margin in those games, minus 12.1 points per game. So we're going under the total. Hopefully, after that Thanksgiving meal, we'll be sleeping during this game. There'll be nothing exciting to watch anyway, but we're going under the total with Buffalo taking on Dallas. In the Turkey Day Thanksgiving kickoff, and also we're going to throw it Tuco's way, and Tuco this week is going over the total with the New York Jets. Their over-under line is 22 points, and he sees a hot Jets offense, and he wants a big piece of them this week as they take on the Bengals. So he's going over 22 on a New York team that scored 34 points in each of the last three weeks. In the last two seasons, NFL teams have averaged 30.4 points per game after scoring 34 or more in each of their last three games. And this is the perfect crappy defense last in the league for the Jets to really pour it on against. You know, this Tuco has finally discovered his favorite whipping boy, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. We bet on the Bengals to score under their team total, or we bet on the Bengals to allow their opponent to score over their team total. And, of course, that's what we're doing this week. At home this year, Cincinnati is already allowing 31.8 points per game on defense. And not only that, but in the last two seasons, they're allowing 26.5 points per game when taking on sub-500 opponents like the Jets. So there you have it. Tuco's going New York Jets over 22 points. We're going under the total on Turkey Day Thanksgiving. And, Mark, uh, we wish you a great holiday to everybody here at the Playbook staff and particularly to you and Colleen on Thursday. Well, thank you, Victor. Same to you and Sandy and your family as well. And all to all our listeners out there, we hope that you get enough pumpkin pie and share enough turkey with family and friends this holiday weekend. As Victor said, it's probably one of my favorite holidays of the year being with family and friends and enjoying a day of, like Victor says, family, food, friends, and a football. And with that, let's move on to what will be my complimentary play on the show. Before I do that, I want to remind our listeners out there that our friends at mybookie.ag are offering a free sign-up bonus to anybody that logs on at mybookie.ag and enters the passcode playbook. That's mybookie.ag, enter the password playbook, to get your sign-up bonus just in time for all of the Thanksgiving weekend games. And speaking about the weekend, my once-a-year 10-star college football game of the year is going to go this weekend as part of our 10-star turkey shoot week of winners. 
Every release I make from Thanksgiving Thursday through Monday, including the 10-star college football game of the year, all yours for only $99 complete. To take advantage, log on to the website at playbook.com or give her office a call toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777 to get the 10-star college football game of the year. This weekend, you'll be glad you did. With that, my complimentary play on the show we're going to make it. We're going to wrap up a package here. We talked in the beginning of the show about what I thought were the two most improved teams in college football, being San Jose State and Oregon State. We talked about Oregon State in our college football game of the week, and I'm going to use San Jose State for my complimentary play on the football card this week. The San Diego or San Jose State football team, as I mentioned here. The improvement they've made is dramatic, and uh, and we outline this in the in the playbook news, newsletter in this sense here. You're taking on a Fresno State football team that really has come down this year from where they were, and San Jose State has gone way up from where they were. Fresno State won 22 games the past two seasons, while San Jose State notched only three wins the previous two seasons. They're both four and seven on the season this year. Neither team is going bowling. But this game means a whole lot more to San Jose State and the tremendous upturned season that they've had this football season here. You're talking about a Fresno State football team that the last three times they've been favored this football season, they've lost all three games straight up. This football team is having problems this year. On the flip side, the Spartans are 3-0-1 to the spread at home in this series and 4-0 to the spread the last four football games coming in. I'm going to take the points with the better team, that being San Jose State, in their last home game of the season for my complimentary play on the show this week. And once again, I want to remind all our listeners out there to have a very happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and all your family and friends. Until next week, I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creel Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas at TheLogicalApproach.com, And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.